Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Pudang damang sankang namasami Sometimes when we are practicing long periods of meditation, as I hope we're doing these days, in just in this retreat, uh, I was talking that this monastery is set up to give maximum possible solitude, to give the longest periods which is reasonably possible uh, for you to spend time alone, uh, to spend time walking, sitting, maybe resting, maybe doing some studying, but to spend a lot of time in solitude. It's my understanding of Buddhism, especially monastic Buddhism, was to have the community of hermits who see each other as least as possible and just come together just for a communal meetings such as this, but very, very rarely. And so you have as much time as possible by yourself. As the Buddha kept on saying, these are the empty huts. Meditate, don't regret it afterwards. And uh, in this place we have many of those empty huts Available. They're all full now, but you can understand that they're quiet places. It's a peaceful time. Most of you are in good health, and you have this incredible opportunity, so don't waste it. But the problem is when we have the golden opportunities, sometimes the meditation doesn't really work. Sometimes we can get frustrated. And as I often say from my own experience and the experience of teaching others, please don't think that, oh, it's not working, I have to use more willpower, try harder. If it doesn't work, they just get more tense and you end up getting into deeper problems. It always has to be the wisdom power and sometimes just listening to some beautiful piece of advice, just like that sutta which we just chanted. And of course, I know my Pali. And when I chant, I was getting really, really inspired. It's one of the famous and powerful teachings of the Buddha. The first five arahats were created, or after the Buddha, were created by that teaching. And it is incredibly profound. It's not just to create your enlightenment, but it's also to deepen your meditation practice. And so instead of using uh, using willpower, always use your wisdom power. Reflect on a teaching like the uh, Anatta Lakana Sutta. It shows actually how things occur. And it also answers a question which we were just discussing at tea time when somebody said that one uh, teacher was saying there were two types of desire, you know, like a good desire and bad desire, or skillful and unskillful desire. And said, maybe okay for the lay life, but and maybe for most monks, but if you really want to meditate deeply and get into, you know, the jhanas and get the insights and get enlightened and make an end of this samsara, that all desires are looked upon as being sort of uh, counterproductive. You have to go against the stream of desire, not sort of create another stream of desire which we think is good to escape from samsara. And you know, they bring up this whole discussion on the meaning of this uh, powerful word in uh, Pali word, chanda. And you all know that it's uh, central to the four itipadas. And it's also, I often refer to its meaning by looking at how it's used in the Vinaya. 
And uh, when there's a Sangha Kama, like a Patimoka recitation, and you can't sort of go, you give your chanda, you know, your consent, approval, to actually to have that happen without your presence. And that sort of gave me a much deeper and more profound understanding of what this word chanda means. Remember, you've got to be very careful of English translations. Because many people who translate these books aren't practitioners. Many people who even talk and write books about meditation don't know how to meditate. The old saying, if you can't do it, write a book about it. It doesn't really say very much about me writing all these books. But that's what most people say. But really understanding just how this works from experience, now you know what the chanda is, not by just trying to analyze its words, but you know, this is part of the path, as part of the 30, 37 body pakyas, which lead to enlightenment. So what type of chanda can lead to enlightenment? What type of chanda can lead to viraga, fading away, to aniroda, to cessation? What type of chaga can lead to chanda, sorry, can lead to nibida, revulsion from this world? And as the chanda which leads to these things is like the understanding of that uh, these five chandas are totally out of control. They don't belong to you. You cannot tell them what to do. And every time I listen to that sutta, which we just chanted, every time I read it to myself, it just knocks it into my brain again and again and again. This body, it does not belong to you. If it did belong to you, you could say, oh, may my gastric problem disappear. Oh, may my headache go. Oh, may my old age, my shaking, disappear. Oh, may this other problem I've got disappear. It doesn't work. The reason is because you don't own this body. It's not yours, it's not a self, it's not an essence. It's not me, not a self, not mine. And when you get that into your head, that this doesn't belong to you, then the next phrase, which sometimes I forget, but which really stood out so strong to me, that's why this body is an abhadaya. It is a pain. It is an irritation. It is a burden. It is a uh, something which, once you see it is a source of dukkha, it is a pain, it is a burden. It's an abhadaya. It's like a sickness. To actually to see that, to understand that this body, you can't do much with it. It is a sickness, it is a pain, it is an irritation, it is a burden. Actually seeing that, really seeing that, that gives rise to the chanda which takes you off the wheel. The chanda which we call nibida. Once you see it as an abada, as an irritation, you don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. It is the chanda not of approval, but the chanda of disapproval. The disapproval of this whole um, body and thing stuff, the material stuff. 
It's understanding that it's never going to be a source of happiness. It's out of control. It is an irritation no matter what you do to it. It will always be an irritation. Your sickness will never be healed. It can be ameliorated, but it can't be healed. You can lessen the pain, but you can't overcome it. That is the nature of this body and the things outside. You can try and fix up your hut, but you'll never be able to get all the ants out of the room. Why? It's because it's beyond your power and control. That is the nature of this world. It is an irritation. Knowing it's an irritation, really understanding that, means you don't spend your time trying to fix things up. That's the chanda of will, of desire, trying to make it better. Instead, you have this chanda of disapproval, which is a nibida, which means the thing fades away. It viragas. It's not important to you anymore. It doesn't take up so much space in your brain, so much time in your life. So basically a waste of time, out of control, so it's not a problem anymore. Remember that great saying which I wrote in Opening the Door of Your Heart, which I often tell people from that uh, British Prime Minister. What do you think about the problem in the Middle East? There is no problem in the Middle East, said Sir Harold Macmillan. What do you mean, said the reporter, there's a war going on right now? And the Harold Miller said, Sir, I know there's a war going on, but it's still not a problem in the Middle East because a problem is something with a solution. There is no solution in the Middle East. Therefore, it's not a problem. Now I apply that to the Rupakanda. This body of yours is not a problem. Why is it not a problem, getting sick, old, dying? Because there's no solution. If it was a solution, it would be a problem. Let it go. Then you get Nibbida towards the, the body. And after you get Nibbida towards the body, the whole body thing starts to vanish from you. It's not so important. It's one of the reasons why that these great teachings, once you, sometimes we reject them, but once you really embrace them, well, it actually does. It means that these things vanish. They're not a problem anymore. You don't spend so much time thinking about them when you're supposed to be meditating. You don't spend so much time trying to find out the nicest posture, the nicest food, the warmest place or the coolest place. The whole thing is just out of control. It's not me, not mine. I can't do anything about it. It is an arbada. You spent most of your life trying to get rid of these arbadas, these irritations of the body trying to get healthy, trying to get your teeth fixed up, trying to get a nice hut, trying to get it comfortable, trying to build a monastery, trying to get nice food, trying to get the perfect this, trying to get you know, your arthritis or whatever else you've got in your body fixed up. You know it's just endless and you can never solve it. That's why we say it's not a problem. It's not a problem because there's no solution to a, having a healthy body. Therefore, you disengage and the body starts to fade away. That's how you can let this body go in meditation. 
Or you can just watch the breath. You have an ache irritation here. What the hell? Doesn't belong to me. And the body fades. It disappears. The more you're concerned about the body, the harder it is to meditate. Because this body will always be leading you by the nose. My nose itches, scratch me, blow me. I gotta swallow, I gotta scratch, I gotta go to the toilet, I need a cup of tea, I gotta move. Sometimes this body is so demanding. So you try your very best, like that's it, look after yourself from here on in. And if you can develop that nibida towards this body, it's very easy to let it go. Because remember, from nibida, this revulsion, this disapproval, that's the chanda which allows it to vanish. And when it does vanish, you know it's vanished, it's not there anymore. That's why I often say that just non-attachment is not an idea. It's a movement of the mind which produces things disappearing, vanishing. And when they do finish their task, the disapproval, the letting go, the non-attachment means these things disappear. They're not there anymore. So you can sit in meditation, it's not a body. Nothing to ache, nothing to feel hot, nothing to feel cold. Now that is a relief. And you've done that not by trying to get rid of the body. You've done that by realizing it's out of control. Getting nibida towards it, noticing it is an abadai, an irritation, an affliction. And as a result of that it vanishes. This is that path. Understanding it's suffering, it's an affliction. Getting nibida towards it, the chanda to say, this is not a problem anymore, I can't do anything about it. Therefore the whole thing vanishes. And now you're free. That's how it works. The same as all this Vedana business. This Vedana where we always want to have the bliss state, we don't want to have the suffering, we don't want to have the boredom, sitting in my heart again, oh God, how many more weeks have I got to do this? Can't we get a job to be done? We used to always have this big pile of wood in Bodhinyana Monastery, just sawn logs with an axe next to it. So that monks, when they got really fed up with meditation, or they got angry at me for one of the talks or bad jokes, they could get their axe and go and split all the logs. And we never used to give that as a job to be done during the range retreat. Those logs would be all chopped up before the first half of the range retreat was finished. Because <laughs> people just got bored, they got fed up. They just want to do something useful. Fair enough. But you can see, why is that happening? You don't want to spend the range retreat just breaking up more logs or doing more jobs. And this is a great opportunity. At last you want to actually do something with this meditation and get deep and see things happen. And how do you do that? Just focus on the Natalakana Sutta. You know, that was the one sutta which I sort of took as my guide for that six-month silent retreat I did years ago. And I chose one sutra, and that was it, to contemplate that backwards and forwards, upside down, whichever way. And that was brilliant. It gave you so much peace. Just all this happiness, suffering, seeing beautiful things, ugly things, hearing people say it's just a great market, hearing people say such stupid, terrible things. Uh, and not getting upset at any of that. 
no matter what a person says to you. And I've had my share of people say really bad things. I was looking for it the other day. I really lost it. I, I didn't mean to lose I wanted to keep this. It was this article in Thai which somebody printed, I think, from the Thai temple in Las Vegas, I think it was. Maybe I'm going over there. Maybe I'll show up and smile and see what they say. It was really uh, calling me a terrible monk using very bad language. It's great having things like that. After, after the bhikkhuni ordinations. It's great having things like that, to look at them and have some very bad things said about you. And just to know it's just words, it's just sound. It's, you know, dukkha in the sense of the, the, uh, the sound door. And that's all it is. And it's not a problem. Why? Because I can't do anything about it. Just like the war in the Middle East. If I could do something about it, Maybe you should get a lawyer or something, a defamation suit, whatever. But no, no, just it's not me, it's not mine, it's not a problem anymore. Because sound is an affliction. It's not just sound, it's the whole six senses. You, know, you, you get pleasure sometimes, you get pain. Sometimes you have some most amazing, deep, blissful meditations. And then it's just dull again. And then you have to go off into that damn computer and just try and get it to work again, and it doesn't. You know, sometimes there's really things go well. You sometimes hear a beautiful talk, and then someone says something rotten to you. That is our world. Just the, the rise and fall, the coming and going of pleasure and pain on the six senses. How many of you just are still trying to be smart enough so you get more pleasure and less pain. How many of you are trying to get rid of the aches in the body which are painful and trying to get a more comfortable mattress to sit on or to lie down on? Lie down on? How many of you, how much time do you spend just on the physical feelings and the, the mental feelings, the Vedana? And when you look at just the amount of time and effort we do trying to control Vedana, more pleasure, less pain, and you look at that Anattalakana Sutta, you just think, just what a dummy I've been. Just it can't be done. I've just been wasting my time. At least now I understand. I understand just why Dukkha is and why Sukha is. And it's out of my control. Sukha some, comes sometimes and then dukkha comes. Sometimes your meditation's hot, sometimes it's not so hot. It's out of my control. I can't do it. I get out of the way. And that's the chanda which we have. The disapproval. In, the, in other words, you don't give your approval to this play of, of uh, happiness and suffering. You don't think, oh, what a wonderful game it is, what a a great joy it is to play around in this, this Olympic Games of happiness and suffering. You just totally let everything go. How do you do that? You get nibida. Once you realize it's out of your control, it's an abada, it's an abada, it's an affliction. To experience pleasure is an affliction. To experience pain is an affliction. The two of them, because they circle together, you can't have one without the other. You just really get fed up with it after a while. And all your life you've been trying your hardest to get more pleasure and avoid pain, and you have not succeeded. 
And you read this sutta, you understand exactly why. You think, why I've been wasting so much time. The chanda of trying to get more pleasure, less pain, that particular desire was totally misguided. Instead, realizing that this whole thing doesn't belong to me, it's out of control, so it's not my business anymore. Nothing to do with me. Pleasure comes, pain comes, it's just pleasure, it's just pain. It's just ugly, it's just beautiful, it's just, oh, what else is there? This nice stinky, this fragrance. It's life, that's all. So then you get nibida towards it. And that lack of chanda, or that chanda of nibida, they're sort of not approving of it anymore, not sort of buying into it. Just like, you know, somebody says, you know, we're going to be talking about in the next meeting of the Sangha about building a new hut over in that property on the other side of the road. Say, no, I don't give my chanda to that. And that my chanda is disapproving of it. Don't do it. And you can see that that's the type of nibida which I mean. It stops it. It stops getting involved in it. It stops getting interested in it anymore. That nibida towards pleasure and pain means you don't even think about it. It's just pleasure and pain, that's all. It's not a problem, it's not a big thing, it's just an affliction. Knowing it's an affliction and getting nibida, this is the brilliance of the Buddha. It doesn't just stay. If you have nibbita towards it, it vanishes. It's the nibbida which stops the attachment. It's the nibbida which unravels things. It's that nibbida, the chanda of nibbida, which makes things vanish. Pleasure and pain disappear. That's a very nice way of looking at the, the progress of the jhanas, from first jhana into the fourth. Just you get nibida towards the pleasure and pain, the huge blisses of the first jhana and the second and the third and the fourth. What's really vanishing is the piti sukha. Nibida towards that. If you don't have nibida towards piti sukha, maybe you don't get further than the first or second jhana. But if you've got nibida towards this whole piti sukha business, nibida towards pleasure and pain, here we go again, how long do I have to deal with this? then the whole thing just vanishes. From Nibbida we get Viraga, the vanishing, the disappearing. And from that cessation, all we're left with is equanimity, which is another form of bliss. You're just really understanding. Just the more less there is, the more freedom. It's the bliss of freedom. It's the, the Vimuti Sukha. This is actually what's happening. But the point is, the chanda is seeing things as they truly are, leads to this nibbida. And you know it is the right chanda, the lack of desire, the disapproval, because it vanishes. That's how we know we're going in the right direction. So a lot of times people say, yeah, but you know, does it work? If you understand it, it does work. And just pain, pleasure, it doesn't affect you, it vanishes. And as it vanishes, it gets more peaceful, more pleasurable in that sense. And you go into these different levels of pleasure. The big pleasures of the five senses, the very coarse ones, you're not interested in that. When they fade, you get the next level of pleasure, which is more delightful. 
when that fades, the next level of pleasure, which is even more incredible. When that fades, the next level of pleasure. This is just what happens. As you get nibida towards pleasure, the coarse ones vanish and the more refined ones appear. When you get nibida towards the more refined, even more refined ones appear as the old ones disappear. That seems to be the way into Nibbāna. And it's the same with all the perceptions and the sankharas, the will, my favorite sankhara. It's wonderful to know that this will is an affliction. That's what the Buddha said. Why is because you can't control the will? Ha, ha, ha. It's a powerful thing to understand. The will comes, the will goes. Where it comes from, it doesn't come from me. And if you try and control the will, sometimes it doesn't work. How many of you have decided to get up really early every morning for this rage retreat? And how many of you failed? Don't worry. Because the Buddha said, you can't control your will. Is it a great relief to know, oh wow, that's the reason why. There's nothing wrong with me. It's just wrong with the will. Because it doesn't belong to you. And sometimes you do really stupid things. When I do stupid things, it's not me. Not my fault. I haven't done anything. It's just, you know, the, the chaitanya. It doesn't belong to me. Don't blame me. But what happens is once you realize that, that uh, chaitanya, the will, part of the sankharas, has nothing to do with you. You can't control it. Same with your thoughts. Nothing to do with me. Oh, may my thoughts be like this, or oh, may there be no thoughts at all. You can't do that. Why? Because these sankharas aren't yours. They're not me, not mine, not a self. If they were yours, you'd be able to do that. You would be able to stop your thoughts just by an act of will. Just stop. But you can't do that, as many of you have realized. So, what am I going to do? And what you do is have nibida. Nibida towards thoughts. Thoughts come, thoughts go. They're totally out of control. They're not me, not mine, not a self. As I was saying a couple of weeks ago, once you separate yourself from those thoughts, they don't belong to you. They're not mine. They're not my thoughts. They're not who I am. And I can't control them. Then you take away your approval of them. They're an affliction. And many people meditate, that's the affliction they know so easily, the affliction of thinking, thinking, thinking. But if you notice that and accept what the Buddha just said, that these are an affliction, an arbada, then the only consequence, if you really see that, is that you have nibida towards them. You have nibida towards your will as well. What an amazing insight that is to have nibida towards your will. To have be fed up with it. To say, I've trusted you all these years to try and bring me happiness. I trusted you even to try and bring me deep meditation and jhanas. Will I've trusted you to get me to enlightenment? Now I realize. I've been trusting in the wrong thing. Been getting on the wrong bus, backing the wrong horse. 
once you see that, you have nibbida towards the will and nibbida towards the thoughts. They're an affliction, they're a burden, they're a pain. It's such a pain to have to will things. Such a pain as the abbot have to make choices and decisions and to, you know, to see what I'm going to talk about this evening or whatever. That's just a pain. Usually I leave it until the very last minute. Or even better, I leave it to after the last minute like I did this evening. It's much better after the last minute. You find there's always another minute after the last one. So you can always do something. You don't have to worry about a thing. So you totally let go and have nibida. Because once you have nibida, that's part of letting go. That's an essential part of letting go. Without nibida, letting go doesn't happen. Otherwise it's you letting go. It's more will, it's more thoughts, it's more doing. It's a nibida bit. It's just an affliction. It's a waste of time. It's a burden. How the Buddha talked about nibida, as I mentioned to people, there's one sutta somewhere, I'm sure Ajahn Bhamali would know it, I'm getting old now, so Alzheimer's is starting to get in. I don't care about Alzheimer's. It's not my brain. It's not my wisdom, so who cares? Not my problem. It's your problem. You'll have to look after me. But anyway, I used to know where all these suttas were. But anyway, there's one sutta about Nibbida where it says that um, it's just like, was it a boil with pus coming out? And you'll have nibida towards that. You'd be fed up with this. You don't sort of delight in it and approve of it. Hey, come and have a look at my boil. My boil. Isn't it a great boil? Can you please take a picture of my boil and put it in the newsletter? You know, you, you don't do things like that. You have nibida towards these things. It gives you an idea what this nibida is. You're just fed up with it. And when you have nibida towards thinking and nibida towards will, the thinking and the will disappear. They viraga. Imagine that. Thoughts start to vanish, just like the mist in the morning under the hot sun. It disappears, just like the light when the sun goes down. The darkness comes in. Things just go. It was light an hour or two ago. Where's, where's the light gone? It's just disappeared. It's vanished. It's wiragad. And it gets so dark it's now neroded. There's nothing left. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing to understand and experience. The thoughts, you haven't willed them to stop. They've just got fed up with them. You've thought so much, thought so long, and they've got you nowhere given so many talks, hundreds of talks, you get nibbida towards giving another talk. So the talk disappears, vanishes. But I better carry on, otherwise I get in trouble. <laughs> I thought of just stopping there, that would be like neat. But, <laughs> so these things disappear. And when they disappear, and then eroded. This beautiful sense of an affliction has gone. Now that is what the happiness truly is. The end of an affliction. That's Nibbana. Oh, what joy. These big heavy rocks I've been carrying around have just been let go of. 
I can dance rather than be dragged down by all these thoughts and all this will. When you get nibbita towards the will, you don't will. It vanishes. That's what I mean. When the will vanishes, it revagas and stops in nirodas, the niroda of will. Imagine that. There's nothing to make you move. Nothing to do. It's, that's desire. It's gone. Oh, how beautiful that is. The end of all craving. What happens? Things slow down, stop, vanish, then niroda. More things vanish. When the sankara is niroda, the vinyana niroda. And with the vinyana niroda, the nama rupa niroda, everything just starts to stop. That's dependent origination if you didn't know that. When the will stops, consciousness starts to go. It's amazing to see that, to experience that. You don't do anything. Your chanda is to disapprove, have nibbida of the will and thoughts. So will slows, gets weaker and weaker until it just stops for long periods of time. Pops up again and stops for longer periods of time till it doesn't pop up again. And because there's no will, the vinyana disappears. First of all, the vinyana of the five senses. Then the vinyana of the mind disappears stage by stage in the arupas. Everything vanishes. That's really cool. And just even got ahead of myself. My consciousness, my knower, my jitter. And it doesn't say just no one jitter, no one mind state, but it's a beautiful part of the Anatta Lakana Sutta. It says all types of consciousness, refined and gross, hinangwa, panitangwa, and all types of consciousness, which includes unmanifest consciousness, original consciousness, all consciousness. Not me, not mine, not a self. Nothing to do with me. Now that's a very powerful, most powerful at all, even for the very end. This thing which is listening to me, this thing which knows, is an affliction, is an arbada. Why? Because you can't control your own consciousness. You can't control it. So why are you trying to have jhana consciousness? or, you know, stream-winning consciousness or whatever. You can't do that. It's totally out of control. Oh, may my consciousness be like this and not like that. Even the bare knower, you can't control. So what does that mean? Sometimes you have beautiful consciousness, sometimes not so beautiful consciousness, sometimes you're consciousness of things you'd rather not be conscious of, but you can't control it. So what do you do? You take away your approval of this play of consciousness which you buy into as your existence, as your life, as who you are. When you don't buy into it, when you get a sense of irritation towards being conscious, what happens if it really is Nibbida, not approving of the conscious existence called you, it fades. It starts disappearing. 
your consciousness starts to, to go. First of all, the consciousness of the gross world, of the five senses. If it really is Nibbida, Viraga happens, it fades away, it disappears. So your five consciousnesses of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching vanishes. They get less and less and less. You can hardly feel your body. It disappears. You don't see anything. The hearing and the say the feeling of the body, maybe a tiny bit. Maybe you hear as if it's millions of miles away. It's fading away. That's viraga happening. And then it ceases, it stops. The five sense consciousnesses stop. You can't hear a thing. And you can't sort of feel anything. You're in jhanas. Well done. And then the sixth sense consciousness starts to fade away. It viragas. Remember, only the people who get sort of attached and uh, have not enough nibida towards the mental consciousness, which is quite understandable because it's the most pleasant thing to be in jhanas. But you read suttas like this and you say, even that I've got nibida towards. Imagine having nibida towards godlike consciousness, the ecstasy in the deep jhanas. But you do. That's what takes you on to the next one. Consciousness fades away, the mind consciousness, the jitter starts to vanish. The most amazing thing of your existence to see your existence stop, disappear, fade away, and niroda. Now that's what we call meditation. It's not samatha, it's not vipassana, it's both intertwined as they always will. Well, the Buddha said, Sabhasankara samatha. A synonym for Nibbana, for calming, samatha-ing, all of the sankharas. Samatha-ing, all the thoughts, all the will, everything else which is created, compounded. Your five, six senses, your five candors, all of that. Calming it till it vanishes, till it revives. So that's the way out. And that's what happens. You get Nibbana towards all these five senses, and six, uh, five candles and six senses. And from Nibbida, you get the Viraga. They vanish, and once they vanish, you're free. Vimuti. And knowledge comes, you're free. No, you don't knowledge, knowledge you're free. Knowledge, freedom is. No you anymore. Birth has been destroyed. No more existence. That's the way out, for those of you who want it. So that's how the desire and no desire works. Stop even using the word desire. Use the word nibbida instead. It's a much more beautiful word. Realizing this is all an affliction. Just that realization is the automatic unraveling of the will, unraveling of thinking, unraveling of the whole process. It's not no longer driven by will and desire and you controlling and driving the car. This automatic process you just get disgust towards all of this. Don't have a bar of it anymore. Which means it vanishes. That's how to meditate. That's also how to get enlightened. Using nibbida rather than desire. Where does that come from? From seeing things as they truly are. 
from really understanding and contemplating the Sutta like today's. None of this belongs to you. Absolutely none. And there's nothing left which you can hold on to as a self, as a me, as something to cherish. Nothing at all. All of the five candles. Far and near, past, present, future. Fine and gross. A whole lot. You've got nothing left. Brilliant. That's my talk tonight. Very good. Pati Pano, Pagan.